trending topics with legal conclusions. Brought to you by Pepper and Odom Law Firm. You're listening to Legal Roundup. Hey, it's Attorney Everett Pepper, Pepper and Odom Law Firm. I'm here with Associate Attorney Daryl Porter. Daryl, you want to say hello? Hello. All right, guys, we're here today. We're going to talk about the Jackson water crisis and some of the stuff that's been going on around the capital city of Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi. So as most of you probably heard on the national news, there has been a crisis with the city of Jackson not being able to produce enough clean drinking water, not just necessarily for drinking, but not enough water pressure to even, you know, take baths or flush right. the commode. Daryl's, you know, he's worked, he's in the legislature, and, you know, that's something that's been high on everybody's radar recently. What have y'all been right. doing? Well, you know, I, I used to sit on the city council. I did that for five years and summit my hometown of summit, so I understand the importance of having clean drinking water, having a viable and sustainable wastewater sewer facility. You know, that's just one of the main parts of, of a city's job, a city official's job, is to make sure that their residents have clean drinking water. So from a state standpoint, obviously the Jackson mayor, Antar Lumumba, he declared a state of emergency. The governor then returned, uh, declared a state of emergency. So uh, and I actually think it went all the way up to the White House as well. So the role that the legislature is going to play in this is being able to fund whatever whatever the city of Jackson needs to make sure that they can provide clean drinking water and a good viable wastewater sewer treatment facility as well. I think the one of the bigger issues that we've looked at, or that we at least that I've heard, is that the city of Jackson hadn't presented a plan to the legislature or to the federal government either. And I imagine that when we get back in the session in January, there will be some pretty big requests from the state to help the city of Jackson out. Well, as I've been living here since 2008, and back then, you didn't see as much people actually going into the store and buying bottled water. Matter of fact, I can remember thinking back, felt sort of silly paying $1.50 for a bottle of water or something I could get out of the water fountain for right. free. And then when I started law school at Mississippi College School of Law, you know, they had water fountains in the halls, but it was literally, it tastes so bad you couldn't drink it. I mean, it was undrinkable. Right. It even had a smell to it. And at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I don't mind buying a bottle of water, right. you know. And of course, the prices have went up since then. It may not have been $1.50 back in, but I mean, you know what I'm saying. It right. just seems silly. Pay right. for something you could get for free. Yeah, that's just you know. But uh, yeah, it was just, it was undrinkable. You know, I've been hearing just different numbers thrown out there, and it seems like I haven't heard that they are estimating it may cost somewhere uh, in the neighborhood of two billion with a B billion dollars to fix and you know fix everything that needs to be fixed. Well, that's a smaller number than what I've heard. I've heard nine hundred billion with a B. Wow. Um, because you know. They have an extremely old system, mm -hmm. and then we're talking about you know the the infrastructure. A lot of people when they hear infrastructure, they think about what's going on on top of the ground. Mm -hmm. uh, but these pipes are running underground; they're old. They need to be replaced. So you got to dig up the ground, get to the pipes, replace those pipes, and you got to cover all that back up. You know, and also one of the issues that the city has been facing: they got these water treatment plants, but they didn't have the people qualified to operate those plants. Which you have to have, I think, for the city of Jackson, you have to have like a Class A certification which the state, different water associations uh, across the country, rather, you send your operators to these classes and they get their certifications to run these plants. And unfortunately, Jackson had had anybody who's qualified enough to actually run these, these water treatment plants that they have. You know, it's a lot. It's a big task. Of course, it's going to take a whole lot of money from not only the city of Jackson, but of course, the state of Mississippi and of course, the federal government as well. Well, I've, I know one of the water plants I drive by the entrance to is the O.B. Curtis Water water plant. 
Mm-hmm. I know that's one of them. I think the governor had mentioned Tate Reeves. I think he had mentioned that, you know, the water coming through the plant was basically straight out of the reservoir water, which we all know is not drinkable. Right. You know, I mean, if you go swimming in the, in the red, if you got anything, any kind of white clothes on, you're going to come out and it's going to be muddy. I mean, right. it's, it's just the whole, you know, the Pearl River that's right. feeds into it. So I, I don't know exactly how the purification process takes place, but, you know, I've heard a lot of the, you know, this this has gained national attention. Yep. You know, so it seems like a lot of time any of the publicity that Mississippi gets nationally is always something bad. Man, that's right. You know, and, and, you know, we live here. We know it's, you know, a lot of it's just, you know, stuff has been carried on for years and it's that's not right. necessarily true, but this, this actually is. Oh, you know, yeah. This, this is something that's been, you know, the, the water systems in Jackson has been neglected for years. For this years. is not something that you can just blame on the August flood. That's right. That, In my opinion, I think it's just, that was just the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, the, the city of Jackson has been having problems with their water system for years, years, decades even. You know, it's just now it got to a point where you have to shut, basically shut the city down because there's not clean drinking water. You have to shut the schools down because they don't have clean water, can't flush their toilets. You know, you got a lot of businesses downtown threatening to leave the city of Jackson. I was speaking to one of the business owners uh, a few days ago. He told me it costing him $700 a day to buy bottled water, buy cold drinks, to give to people that patronize his business. And they were talking about a group of them, uh, restaurant owners, uh, talking about leaving the downtown area and moving their, moving their businesses elsewhere. Yeah, and I mean, that's going to hurt the city on tax revenue, the that's tax exactly base. Right. I mean, that's the last thing we need. Yeah. You know, I don't know if there's any short-term answer for this. I mean, you hear some of the some of the people say, okay, well, this is another sign that global warming is affecting us. You know, I, I've got a deer camp out towards Ratliff Ferry, and we look back on the water charts or the flood charts. You know, there was the big flood in 79, the Easter flood. Then we had a flood a couple years ago. But as far back as we could look, and I think the data went back maybe the 1930s is when they started keeping records on it. Mm-hmm. There's never been a flood in August. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not normal time of the year to be a flood. Yeah. So, I mean, it caught a lot of people off guard. And that's, you know, it just something, you know, is it climate change or, you know, who knows? But, yeah. you know, either way, no matter what caused it, I think it's just been a long-term type of neglect. Now, the the big thing, I, I know I heard one of the one of the Jackson schools, the city schools, had closed and went back to virtual learning just because not only do they have drinking water, they don't have anything, they can't flush the commodes, they have no water pressure. Right. You know, so, I mean, you know, they're taking preemptive steps to do that. You know, and I think they learned a lot from you know doing the virtual learning during covid yeah. so at least they got an option that's right you know because i mean you can't have the kids sitting up there and can't use the bathroom or can't get no drinking water and, right. and even if you bring in bottled water to drink you still you still gotta flush the commodes that's you know? right and just and wash dishes and, and, and clean you know just cleaning yeah. supplies and stuff it, it affects everything yeah and then, you know it, you, you mentioned covid and covid has you know ironically prepared us for a lot of the things that we're facing now again the virtual learning aspect which is a positive thing considering, you know, you don't want kids just sitting idly by and missing school. So I'm grateful that we, you know, we've become accustomed to virtual learning and doing a lot of things virtual to help out in times like these or in situations like these. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, as attorneys, you know, we always have a lot of clients come to us and, you know, ask us, you know, is there going to be any lawsuits over this? And, you know, that's a good that's a good question. That is uh, a good question. You know, anytime, legally speaking, anytime in Mississippi with the with the tort reform, you know, if you sue 
anything government related, you right. know, city, municipality, a state, or anything like that, you know, you have a higher burden. You, you basically have to get up to reckless disregard, whereas normal, any case, would just be negligence. Right. You know, so that, that's a pretty high standard to meet. So I think at this point, I know, you know, some of the attorneys in the area have clients calling, but like you said, restaurant owners, you know, and other business owners that's been, you know, economically affected by this. Yeah. You know, they're trying to figure out what their recourses are. That's right. You know, so if, and, you know, it's sort of akin to like a, a couple of years ago, we had a police chase case, mm -hmm. you know, where one of the officers, you know, uh, was chasing an individual on a, on a minor infraction. They ended up, the person that was the, that was being chased by the police officer, you know, T-boned another car, you know, so we represented the person that got hit, you know, well, the person that hit him, well, that was one claim, but we also had a claim against, you know, against the police department, right. you know, because all they had to do was, you know, get the tag and, you know, get up with them later. There was no reason to chase them over a parking violation, basically, right. you know, and we got a good, good verdict on that. It actually went to trial and we've had a couple of those over the years like that. You know, there's some, there's some legal ramifications that could become of this. Right. Uh, I haven't heard of anybody yet that's where the, any suits have been filed, but I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, have you heard anything? No, I, I just like you, I've heard that people have been calling around to see if they actually have any legal course of action. You know, you, I, I'd be curious to know how many people in the city of Jackson are still receiving water bills mm -hmm. uh, in this last month or any time when they're being placed on a boil water notice, because I think they were on a boil water notice for like 30 days, if I'm not mistaken. I'd be I'd be interested to see how many people still have been receiving water bills, but it, it would not shock me if some lawsuits are filed as a result of the water crisis in Jackson. And you know, you, you brought up tort reform, and you know, another part to that, you know, them being capped at 500,000 in damages and having to go before, not being able to go in front of a jury, but have a bench trial in front of a judge, which is, you know, I, I think that's something, I don't remember when it was done, it's done before my time in the legislature, but being a plaintiff's attorney, I realize how big of a burden it is on us and our client. And it's something that I believe that the legislature should go back and revisit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, we've we've had pretty good success over the years. We don't handle a lot of the tort claims cases because the burden's so high to prove, you know, the reckless disregard. Right. You know, and, and, and people always look at it like, well, you know, this person didn't intentionally mean to do it. You know, I don't think anybody would think that the state or the city, you know, local government intentionally neglected the water system. But is it is it negligence or is it a higher standard of just reckless disregard? Mm -hmm. I think a strong case could be made that it's, it's, it, it rises up to the level of reckless disregard. I would agree. You know, if you look at it like a ladder, you know, your first step is negligence. Okay? Right. That's having to do something a reasonable, prudent person would do in like circumstances. Right. Well, th that's obviously there. But tort reform, you know, says, okay, well, you can't sue. Uh, you know, municipality or anything state or government related if it's just negligence. You know, right. they're immune, governmental immunity. Right. Okay. But if it rises up to level of indifference where they could reasonably foresee that if they didn't maintain these things over so many years, right. and I don't think anybody's come up with a really hard number how long this has been neglected, mm -hmm. I mean, it's reasonably foreseeable that we could be sitting right where we're at now with no water pressure, no right. drinkable water. And this this is the capital city of Mississippi. I mean, it's, it's not like this is some small, you know, right. town out right. in a rural area. And uh, I mean, it's affecting a lot of businesses. So, you know, if some of the attorneys do get involved, you know, I think that, you know, we might see some lawsuits in the future coming right. from this. Right, and you're exactly right. I, I think, I, I do believe that it, you can make the argument, make a good case that it definitely rises to that, you know, that, that burden of reckless disregard. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it'd be interesting to see, you know, over the next the next few months, because it doesn't sound like this is going to be something that they're going to fix, you know, oh, anytime no. soon. Oh, no. You know?
No, it's and, too big of a job. And, I, you know, then you get into the issue of how many businesses have been affected, you know. And another thing, you know, that's interesting is, you know, how much of this is actually imputable to the state government. That's right. You know, because, I mean, it's ultimately the city and the city leadership's responsibility. But, you know, they're also Mississippi residents, too. Just, that's right. You know, just to live in Jackson, you know. So I don't know. I'm interested to see what yeah. happens on this. Same, same. So, and I, you know, to that, to that point, I, it's my understanding that there are some have been letters sent from the city to the state over the last couple of years asking for some type of assistance to help with the water issue. So, uh, you know, I, I think that it's definitely possible that the state could be bought into this as well. So, yeah, 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 it would be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of months, really, actually, probably the next couple of years as it relates to, to the water crisis in the city of Jackson. Well, I think that's about all the time we got for today. I appreciate you coming and talking with me today and us going over some of this stuff. Again, I'm attorney Everett Pepper, so attorney Daryl Porter, Pepper Dutton Law Firm. We're here in Ridgeland, Mississippi. We just wanted to try to talk about some of the topics that were going on in our area that are interesting to us, and we look forward to seeing what the what the state and and local government's going to do about it. That's right. You know, because that's that's a big deal. I mean, it's affecting a lot of people. A lot. But yeah, thanks for sitting in with me today, and I appreciate it. We look forward to it. Uh, you know, our firm here at Pepper Notum, we're a personal injury law firm. If you or any of your family members, you know, get in a car wreck, a slip and fall, or anything like that, give us a call. We'll be happy to have one of our attorneys talk with you and see if we can help you in any way. And our number here at the firm is 601-202-1111. And y'all have a good day. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Legal Roundup brought to you by Pepper and Odom Law Firm. If you live in Mississippi or Alabama and have been injured in a car wreck or some other accident due to someone else's negligence, call Pepper and Odom at 601 or visit pepperandodom.com.